Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. The scriptures this morning come from Jeremiah and the Gospel of Luke. Beginning with Jeremiah, the first chapter, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. you Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 4, beginning with the 21st verse. Then he said to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do you hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum? And he said, truly I tell you, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many with a skin disease in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember in my tweens and teens 
trying on different affectations, like hand gestures, facial expressions, patterns, and tones of speech. And that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing, learning who I was and who I wanted to be. My parents were either oblivious or very patient. I was the fifth kid, so maybe they'd seen this before. Most of my friends were doing the same thing, especially the extroverts, which is exactly why being a teacher is many things, but never boring. Some of this happened again when I went to college. No one knew me there, and if I wanted, I could reinvent myself, try to present myself as brainy or world-wise or a party animal. I had been a good enough student at high school, getting great grades in all the classes I liked and barely respectable grades in the classes I didn't. I thought in college I would really apply myself in the rare air of academia, be seen as one of the smartest and deepest first-year students any professor had ever met. Turned out, by the end of college, I had good enough grades. Strong grades and classes I liked, and I needed to take statistics twice. It was enough, however, with a good entrance exam score to get into the Divinity School at the University of Chicago, where I could start over <laughs> and become a really great student who applied herself for once. And you guessed it, I had some really great grades, some less than stellar grades, and mostly because if I didn't like it, I didn't apply myself, didn't do all the mundane work of all the reading, and yet didn't understand who I was or wasn't as a scholar. You see, I had always been told I was smart. Now, I'm smart enough, but in truth, I think I'm more quick than smart. But being smart had almost, if not truly, become my primary identity. It, had taken, it has taken me the rest of my life, and will my whole life, to understand that God loves me, and not because I might be smart. And not only does God love me, but God has given me a deeper, richer, stronger, calmer, happier, and more grateful self than any academic honor could ever bestow. The trick is for me to be that self that God gave me. It turns out competence is no substitute for faith. Jeremiah has opinions about himself, he can't, what he can or can't do. So when God calls him to be a prophet to his people, Jeremiah gives the usual and maybe polite protestation, oh no, not me, I'm just a boy. I don't know how to speak. But God's call to him in this context of this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. 
God is telling Jeremiah and us something about our most basic selves, that we are formed and known and consecrated by God, created, known, and deeply blessed at our core, our foundational personhood. Then we go to today's gospel reading, which is right after, you know, when he says, this, is, this has come true in your hearing, it's right after Jesus' reading of the Isaiah passage about the acceptable year of the Lord, with sight for the blind, freedom for the imprisoned, the poor receive good news, and when the oppressed shall go free. He says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And those folks in his hometown congregation are so proud. Not only has their boy become famous, but he just said this gracious thing, that God's favor has been brought to them for their sakes. Isaiah's proclamation is for them. You can almost see them grinning and sort of elbowing each other, right? (laughs) That's our boy. Isn't that Joseph's son? They feel kind of pride that their hometown boy has done well. But Jesus, as he is wont to do, flips it on them. Actually, he says, using Elijah as the example, this proclamation is for those you have oppressed, denied, avoided, or ignored. Can you imagine? You've just had this family member or old friend who's somewhat famous, and you've thrown this huge party for them, and you can't wait to bask in their presence. You're so excited that someone you know is so important. The evening is going so well until your honored guest starts pointing pointing out your faults and the faults of your family and the faults of your faith. And worst of all, this honored guest might just be right. At worst, there's some kind of blow up and argument and at least a few people storm out mad. Jesus has basically just told the congregation he grew up in that they aren't really all that faithful. In fact, they are part of the machine in society that leads to oppression and discrimination. The folks who were moments ago elbowing each other with pride are now so offended and threatened and incensed that they intend to kill Jesus. They have gone in a very short time from being giddy, proud, to wanting to kill him. Methinks thoughts doth protest too much. And as always, we cannot hear Jesus' tone Everything in scripture is sometimes a little bit like a text message. (laughs) You you can't hear the tone. Did he present his understanding in a kind way? In an in-your-face kind of way? With gentleness? Or with anger? And would it have made any difference? I love you, but you are an unconscious racist and a part of the system of oppression. At your dinner table. Someone's saying that to someone else. We don't know. We do know that Jesus spoke truth and it enraged those who had known him all his life and they wanted to kill him. I guess they didn't really know Jesus all that well. And in this part of the story of the gospel, it wasn't that long ago that Jesus was tempted by Satan. 
I always think that the temptation was so that Jesus could really know who he was and why he was called to the ministry of radical love and healing. It was a kind of personal um, reflection and refinement. And so quickly on this So quickly, on the heels of this time of claiming for himself his own identity, he speaks truth and is nearly killed, the foreshadowing of the crucifixion. Most of my life was spent in leading nonprofit pastoral counseling centers, helping people with therapy um, discover who they really are and how to get better. It's my deepest belief and understanding that at the counseling centers I led, we helped people back to their truest self, created and blessed and called by God. Psychologists, as well as spiritual leaders like Thomas Keating and Richard Rohr and others of their ilk, present a way to think about faithfulness in terms of our false self and our true self. We are born, they say, whole, just as God formed and blessed us. But the reality of humanness gets mixed in, and most of us lose touch with our true selves. Our parents aren't perfect. The world isn't always kind. We suffer illnesses, including mental illness, sometimes trauma. So we seek security and meaning in illusory sources. Some of us face the subtle as well as the brutal impact of racism and sexism, ableism, and all kinds and other forms of otherizing people. We can think that if we act in a certain way, maybe we'll be loved more perfectly by our family and our friends and those we admire. We develop a self separated from our true self and therefore at a distance from God. It can be a long road back to the person God created and blessed us to be. And for a lot of us, that trip starts with some kind of a profound loss or depression or failure or anxiety or rejection. Maybe it's unhealthy relationships or a serious illness or a loss that brings us to our knees. And maybe if we're fortunate, there's finally enough unhappiness and enough belief that God intends more for our life so that we seek the help we need to sort it all out and come home to the soul that God created and blessed. And it isn't easy. Sometimes we step back into our original soul skin When we do that, sometimes we upset people. I'm sure you've heard stories or experienced in your life when someone who's been struggling with drugs or alcohol suddenly stops using and gets healthier. It changes the whole system around them. And even when people have wanted that, they can get angry because things are suddenly different. Sometimes we forget this deep blessing of our true self and go back to trying ways of seeming more attractive to the world. It's hard. It can be very hard to trust God and the true self we are. Real hard. This isn't just a type of individual piety or self-improvement. It's deep work. And I think that this deep work 
is where world peace starts. When each of us is at peace with ourselves, it's not a panacea for world peace, but just imagine if you and everyone in your family was acting out of your best, true, God-intended self. Or this church operated that way. Or this city, this country, or our world. Has this physician healed herself? in fits and starts, just like my academic career. With the help of soul friends, spiritual direction, and psychotherapy, I have gotten closer and remembered more and more the true self that God created me to be. But for me, this is a chronic condition. This penchant for wandering from the blessing of my created self. So often without awareness, I choose anxiety, over trust, working myself into a tizzy that usually dumps me into a deep funk. So like all chronic conditions, I must continually attend to it, care for it, and really embrace it. I have flare-ups of false self-understanding and presentation to others, but now I have a name for it, and more importantly, I have the knowledge of the wonderful treatment to sit silently, silence is like the best thing for me, sit silently in God's presence and be nothing other than the soul God created to me. If you have felt separated from your true self, if you have suffered the fate of being human, hurting or succeeding, I want you to know that God created you and knows you so well so deeply, the you that is at your core, that this God has already blessed you. This God calls you forth to bring love to the nations, or at least to your little part of it. This is who you are, God's beloved. Believe it. Claim it. Never let it go. Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.